Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I'm Matt Goldstone, and today we're studying Sachim Daf Pei, page 80. Continuing with our discussion from yesterday, regarding the case where half of the community is pure, while the other half is impure, we find that the Amora Rav makes a noteworthy suggestion. Rav states that in the case where the community is evenly divided between those who are pure and those who are not, that mitam'in echad mehen besheretz, that we purposefully bring one of the pure people into contact with a dead animal that conveys tumah in order to render them impure, thereby tipping the balance to one side. While one might initially wonder why we do not move in the opposite direction by trying to make one of the impure individuals pure again, this just doesn't seem to be a possible option. If it was, then we would certainly purify as many of the people as possible and have them all participate in the Korban Pesach in the ideal fashion. However, given that purification is not an option, Rather than have the community left at a standstill, or have each half divide and offer the korban separately, Rav promotes unity that is achieved through the intentional sacrifice of one person's impurity by changing their purity status. Now the question is, is this a problem? At the end of the day, practically speaking, everyone will get to offer the sacrifice, and so ostensibly no harm is done. But for us, it raises the question of whether the ends justify the means. Is it problematic to render this individual impure, even though there seems to be no major practical consequence? For us, purity does not have the same significance as it did for those living in the biblical or even rabbinic period. But one can imagine that someone would not be highly pleased to actively enter a status of impurity, which might require later purification and potentially monetary loss for paying for another sacrifice as part of the purification process. In response to this suggestion of Rav, the Gemara asks why the two halves of the community cannot simply offer their sacrifices separately, as Rav himself is recorded elsewhere as suggesting. The answer is that perhaps we are dealing with a case where the impure people already outnumber those who are pure, but if there are already more impure people than pure, why do we need to make another person impure? Why can't we already say that we have a majority of impure parties and therefore everyone can offer together? The Gemara responds that Rav holds like Rabbi Elazar ben Matya, who says that an individual cannot tip the scales for a community to be impure. The Talmud goes on to question how this works. 
and offer other suggestions for rendering one individual impure to allow the community to offer their sacrifices together. After this discussion, we find another statement in the case where the majority of the members of the community were Zavim, had an impure state caused by an unusual bodily discharge. Here, Rav rules that they do not offer the Korban Pesach, neither on its appropriate date, nor on Pesach Sheni. Shmuel seems to dislike this position and ask what will Rav do with the biblical verse which commands the Israelites to offer the Korban Pesach at its appropriate time. Rav's response is that in such a case, just as in the case where all of the Jews were Zavim, the verse is simply not fulfilled. Ki havu kolhu zavim mayavaratle, ela kevan de loefshar, loefshar, hachanami loefshar. Unlike the earlier position of Rav, where he suggests actively contaminating one individual for the sake of everyone else, here Rav seems to offer an opposing position. For those people who are impure, too bad. They don't get to offer the offering at all. This view is perhaps more in line with what we would have expected based on the biblical verse, which states that those who are unable to offer the sacrifice at the appropriate time have to wait until a month later, when they are pure and can offer the sacrifice. This would not seem to be much help in the case of a woman in the state of Nida, as a month later she would still potentially find herself in that same state. But based on this verse, we might infer, infer that if someone could not make either sacrifice date, then they simply missed their opportunity. The verse does not seem to imply Rav's earlier position that people in a state of impurity would be allowed to make the offering. Let's take a step back for a moment and consider the two types of solutions offered by Rav. In the second, one simply misses their opportunity because they cannot perform the ritual act in the ideal fashion. In the former position, one is allowed to perform the act even under non-ideal circumstances because the majority of others are also in a similar boat and forced to do so, even if not everyone is. Each position has its benefit. Refraining from performing the ritual act preserves our sense of respect for the sanctity of the ritual and maintains the boundaries of purity and impurity, order and control against chaos. The other view, however, allows people to partake in the ritual by overturning the norm as we saw in yesterday's daf. Thus, both positions have their strengths and corresponding weaknesses. So which is more desirable? Perhaps the fact that the Talmud brings both of these positions in the name of Rav is telling. Depending on the circumstances, either option might be the better choice, and we cannot say it objectively that one course of action is unconditionally better. Pushing away from the boundaries of the sugya, to think about this principle as it influences our lives today, where purity and impurity play a much more minor role than they once did, I think that the Mimrot of Rav push us to consider the ramifications of our halakhic decisions, both those that are suggested by learned leaders and those chosen by those of us who haven't had the opportunity to gain as much halakhic knowledge. Every decision has manifold consequences, some of which we can foresee and others of which we, of course, cannot. When we're faced with the choice of performing a mitzvah in a non-ideal fashion or not performing at all, many of us might be inclined to opt for acting even though the situation is not ideal. 
But perhaps we should be more cautious and recognize the fallout from this choice, which demotes the import of seeking to establish more ideal circumstances in the future. If any mitzvah can be performed to a lesser degree, or in non-ideal circumstances, then we may no longer strive to improve and move forward towards performing the mitzvah in a fuller way. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.